I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. With Boyd Matheson. Last night was the 55th season premiere of 60 Minutes, and the show had a very important guest. None other than President Joe Biden was there for a sit-down conversation with host Scott Pelley to discuss some of the biggest issues facing the nation and the world. What did he have to say? Why did he say it? Where did it take us? Uh, We're going to break all of that down. There were some very interesting moments uh, over the course of the conversation and we're going to break those down uh, just a little bit to, to dig in just a little bit what he said, what he didn't say, how he said it, uh, and uh, what we should take from it as everything moves forward, not just in a political season, but in a crucial season for the country. So one of the interesting things that caught a lot of headline attention was President uh, Biden told Scott Pelley of 60 Minutes that the pandec- pandemic was actually over. The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing, and I think this is a perfect example of it. So just some, some perspective there. Uh, I always want to make sure we get context when we're uh, talking about things that the president has said. Uh, when he said, you know, look around, nobody's wearing masks. He was actually at the uh, car show, the auto show in Detroit, Michigan. It's the first time they've had that live since the pandemic. So it's been three years since uh, the auto show has been live in Detroit. And so that is an interesting context in terms of saying, hey, look, you know, we're we're moving along. Things are getting better. So that part, I think uh, the president was fine. So to declare that it's over, over, uh, I, I think was a little over the top. Uh, it's one, it's not the job of the president to do that. That uh, doesn't fall under his realm. Uh, he obviously uh, is going contrary to what his own National Health and Human Services Organization has said. Uh, they actually extended the emergency of the pandemic uh, into October uh, so they can do another assessment, see where things are, and then they'll do that. The World Health Organization, of course, will weigh in on where, where the pandemic stands. Uh, and so that was an interesting one. And part of the reason that became interesting is because the president has been relying on the emergency powers of the pandemic to take a lot of executive action uh, over the last year and a half. In particular, just recently, when he announced the uh, forgiveness of student loans, uh, he did that under emergency powers and actually went back to a a very small clause in something that was passed immediately following 9-11 that allowed a president to do some things in those extraordinary circumstances uh, of a, you know, a pandemic, a national emergency of some sort. 
So if the president has declared that that is over his authority, his ability to use emergency powers uh, is got to be different. And so that will be a very interesting one to to watch and see how that all plays out uh, in terms of what comes next. Obviously, there's still a a big challenge as we head into the fall and winter in terms of COVID-19, what that means and where we go next. So we'll continue to monitor that. Uh, Also interesting in the course of the 60 Minutes interview with Scott Pelley, when President Biden was asked about inflation uh, rising this past month to 8.2 percent, uh, President Biden uh, suggested that he really wasn't concerned. But it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not you. Maybe I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2 percent. It's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what we are? We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. Now, it was really interesting to watch this uh, interview. And if you want an interesting experience, go back and watch, rewatch it. Uh, if you watched it before, go back and watch the body language and watch the interaction between Scott Pelley and President Biden. Uh, it was very uncomfortable. Uh, Scott Pelley is a stoic interviewer. And you could sense a little bit of exasperation, a little bit of frustration uh, as he was trying to will the president along in some of those answers. Uh, and on this one in particular, he said, you know, look, Mr. President, it's it's a 40-year high. And this is where I think the president sometimes gets into trouble. Uh, the president, you want the president to be positive. I want the president to be positive. I want the president to be forward-looking. He also has to be congruent with the reality of what the American people are experiencing. And when he sort of just brushes it off, uh, and says, hey, you know, it was unnoticeable from, from last month. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't work for the American people. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's a square you just can't circle uh, because the experience is, is different. And so you, you, can't, you can't play or spin the numbers on the American people. The, the one thing about the American people, they have a gut sense that is as good as it gets. And regardless of what our politicians from the left, the right, the center, or anywhere in between tell us, the American people have a good sense of, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but that's not what I'm living day to day. And I think the president got caught in a little bit of the spin of that, a little defensive in terms of where things were when Scott Pelley pressed him uh, on those numbers. Uh, I, I think that was a, a mistake for the president to say, hey, we're, we're fine, everything's good, because the American people are not in a good spot. They're not feeling that. And I know that the president has a, an agenda. I know he has some talking points. Uh, it was a it was an unusual moment. If you watched, uh, the president had sitting on his lap a, a basically a book of answers. And, and usually, you see that you see the press secretary pack out a big binder of things uh, so they can kind of flip through to pages and look at talking points or or get data. That's an important part of of that role. Uh, but it's very unique. I can't remember. I cannot remember another president uh, sitting for that kind of interview with any notes, uh, with any, you know, cheat sheets or bullet points or, th- or talking points. Uh, and so that was a little odd to me uh, that one 60 Minutes would allow that. Uh, it would seem to me 60 Minutes would want just a clean interview, no notes. Um, so I, I wonder if that was part of the negotiation. I have no idea. Uh, I'd like to know what the negotiations were for the president to sit down with Scott Pelley and do that interview. That's interesting to me. Uh, president Biden also expressed some confidence 
that his administration would be able uh, to get at least the inflation co- component of things in the economy under control. No, I'm telling the American people that we're going to get control of inflation and their prescription drug prices are going to be a hell of a lot lower. Their health care costs are going to be a lot lower. Their basic costs for everybody. Their energy prices are going to be lower. They're going to be in a situation where they begin to gain control again. I'm more optimistic than I've been in a long time. When asked about inflation rising uh, the past, oh, excuse me, the, uh, the president also stressed that bringing down those inflation numbers will be a process, but that he had the right pieces in place. The fact is that we've created 10 million new jobs we're in a, since we came to office. We're in a situation where we, the unemployment rate is about 3.7 percent, one of the lowest in history. We're in a situation where manufacturing is coming back to the United States in a big way. And look down the road. We have massive investments being made in computer chips and, and employment. So, I, look, this is a process. I actually think that was one of the stronger points of the president. Uh, and there were a number. He had some good moments in, in this interview, to be sure. But it was not his uh, finest hour. Uh, but I do think him touting where we were in terms of jobs, where unemployment is, those are important markers. How you frame that as president is is really crucial. Uh, he had some other interesting moments I think were, were positive, some other challenging ones, particularly as it relates to Taiwan uh, and some of those things that we'll uh, talk about coming up uh, in just a minute. We're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour news. We're going to stay with this question just a little bit longer. More of President Biden's sit down with Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes and what it means for you coming up after bottom of the hour news. Stay with us. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're going to stay with the conversation just a little bit longer. President Biden, of course, was on the season premiere of 60 Minutes discussing a lot of difficult topics and how the administration is handling those, how things are shaping up for the fall campaign and on into 2024. Everything from the pandemic to Taiwan uh, and uh, a number of things in between. And I want to be really clear on this. Uh, I was not so much frustrated with the president yesterday. Uh, I was, uh, as someone who's been a staffer, Uh, I was deeply troubled by his staff. I do not think they served the president well uh, and allowed the president to make the best case for his administration, for his policies and the things that he should be touting. He had a great summer. He had a lot of successes on the legislative front. Those are all wins. Those are all good. I think the president should lean into those things for sure. Uh, I actually thought one of the uh, the better moments was the the segment we played just before we went to the break uh, where the president talked about what they had accomplished. Uh, that employment is at a historical, that they have added uh, a ton of jobs. Uh, those are important things. And I thought it was important for the president to frame those uh, in the backdrop of inflation and what Ameri- the American people are feeling. So that's not being negative against the president. Uh, that's really just saying, look, you've got to put this in context. And in most cases, it's bad staffing. Uh, there's a host of people inside the administration, I think, are not serving the president very well. And again, whether you love the president or you don't like the president, uh, that doesn't matter to me. Uh, we're going to talk about it in terms of the principles, the policies, and the communication strategy. Uh, of course, one of the the big shocking moments, I think, uh, of the interview was President Biden uh, making some very bold statements regarding the United States' potential involvement in Taiwan. We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago, 
and that there's a one-China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving. We're not encouraging their being independent. We're not. Let, that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. Now, this is an area where we all ought to be cheering for the president because we've got to make sure we get this one right. Uh, war with China would, would be a bad thing for everybody. No question. Economically, militarily, uh, geopolitically, uh, that is what nobody wants. And so it was interesting to me that when you watch this, it was obviously a, an edited interview. I'm sure they spent much more time with the president. That's not uncommon. The interesting thing to me was that as the president continued his answer about Taiwan, the interviewer, Scott Pelley, voiceover came. They pulled the president's sound down and Scott Pelley issued a statement saying that the White House spokespeople reached out to say that the U.S. policy has not changed in relationship to Taiwan and that the U.S. would not say whether American forces will defend Taiwan were China to invade. Now, crafty little bit of of editing. Uh, It was smooth. It was seamless. Uh, But I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure that was the job of the interview. Uh, And to Scott Pelley's credit, he did go back and he asked for clarification of the president. So this was a separate portion of the interview. They were now talking about Ukraine. And Scott Pelley very wisely went back to compare and contrast Taiwan and Ukraine. Take a listen. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. Yes. So he went back. He did the right journalistic thing. He gave the president another bite at the apple. Uh, and the president said yes again. And so, of course, the, the White House had to come out with a formal statement saying U.S. policy hasn't changed. U.S. will not say whether American forces will defend Taiwan in the event of an invasion from China. So I think that was probably the weakest point of the interview for President Biden. Uh, he seemed a little bit off balance, a little unsure. And Scott Pelley was tr- clearly trying to take him somewhere and to ha- be helpful to the president. And uh, that's, again, just an interesting thing in terms of where that all went. Uh, finally, they got around to the future. Uh, and President Biden was asked if he intended to run in the 2024 presidential election. And to that, he replied, uh, it's just a little too early, uh, but here's the way he framed it. And it's much too early to make that kind of decision. I'm a great respecter of fate. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing my job. I'm going to do that job. And within the time frame that makes sense after this next election cycle here, going into next year, make a judgment of what to do. Now, the president also uh, dodged and played a little coy when asked again. And again, I support the president in this. I don't think the president should be deciding whether he should run or not right now. Uh, He's got plenty on his plate, and I think a lot of that will take care of itself. Uh, But here's uh, the way the president responded to the second bite at the are you going to run for re-election, Apple. My intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again. But it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. And I applaud the president for that. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. Uh, he was clear. My intention is that I would run again, but that is my intention. That's not a firm decision. That remains to be seen. And we should be content with that. And we should hope 
that the president of either political party at this point in, in an administration would be far more focused on the issue of governing than of reelection. Uh, it is something we have lost in our politics over the last several decades. And so equal opportunity, offender moment uh, for Republicans and Democrats alike. Uh, we have had administrations of both parties who have spent more time once they got 18 months into a four-year term positioning for a re-election run. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You run, you win office, and then you govern. And if you govern well, you can run again and people will re-elect you. But we've made it all about the positioning. And so I think the president got that question right uh, down the stretch, uh, that uh, it's not it's not a firm thing. It's not the right thing for him to be focused on. Let's focus on inflation. Let's focus on jobs in the economy. Let's focus uh, on infrastructure. Let's focus on a host of other things that need to be dealt with. Uh, and that's where we need to get. So it was just a really interesting. I think there were some good high points for the president in that. And I think there were some some cringy moments. I think, it's, again, especially if you're looking at it, of who's staffing the president, who's helping him prepare uh, for those moments on the national stage when he'll speak to directly to more Americans than probably at any other point other than maybe the, the convention. Uh, and so those are the things that actually matter in all of this. And so when it comes to pandemic, when it comes to Taiwan, when it comes to Ukraine, uh, those are things we should be talking about. When we're talking about uh, the state of the nation, uh, those are important things. Uh, and I actually thought, just to go back to, to round things out, uh, I actually thought the president's speech, we broke this down on Friday, uh, that his speech at the uh, Unite Summit uh, last Friday was one of his best speeches because I think he believed it. I think he owned it. And I think he genuinely wanted to bring the country together around it. And I hope that President Biden, uh, that he continues to lead that because that's better for the country, uh, regardless of your political persuasion. All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to break down all the latest polling, what's happening with the Debate Commission. Eric Nielsen, uh, executive director of the Debate Commission, is going to join us coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.